Good afternoon. It is certainly a blessing to be here today. Um, in just a few days, our country is going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And let me start today by saying that I am thankful for you. I'm thankful that God has blessed us with the, the spiritual family that we have here, uh, the support uh, for the, the young people among us, for the visitors among us. Uh, and most of all, we can be thankful for God's abundant grace and his revelation and in his redemption through his son. Uh, thankful that we get to remember that today. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to focus today on verse 23. Here we read, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Um, I, I want us to spend some time in this passage today, and I hope by the end of our time together that we can imprint this scripture upon our hearts and upon our minds that it will hold a deeper significance and meaning to us and that it can be something that we carry with us from day to day. We're going to start by looking at uh, this first phrase, watch over your heart. Here, when we talk about watching over our heart, the NIV says guard your heart or keep your heart, the ESV says. And this word for watch over, literally in some other passages, is used to refer to a watchtower or a watchman, a gatekeeper, a city guard in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 9. A derivative of this word is used to talk about the watchtower on the city wall. And so as we think about this idea of watching over our hearts, it's like we are standing guard. We are uh, standing at the, the post looking out for anything that might come and attack the walls of our heart. How exactly do we do that? Is it that each of us as Christians need to, to walk around with a stethoscope in our pocket and, and check it from, from time to time? You know, or we, we need to have regular checkups with our doctor or, or be taking our blood pressure every so often. Obviously, when we talk about the heart in the Bible, we are, are not talking just about our physical blood pump. We are talking about the inner man, our spirits, our souls. In Matthew 9 and verse 4, we see one aspect of this. Uh, in Matthew 9 and verse 4, it says, In Jesus, knowing their thoughts said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? And so when the Bible talks about our hearts, number one, it's where our thinking takes place, where our, our thoughts, our intellect, our mind, uh, information that goes into our heads and informs the way that, that we think, uh, all has to do with what is going on within the heart. In addition to that, in John 16 and verse 22, Jesus, in speaking to his disciples there, says, Therefore you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. And so our heart as well is where we rejoice, where we find joy or grief, our emotions, our feelings, things that pull on our heartstrings, our passions and our desires. But not only do we think within our heart, not only do we feel within our heart, but we also decide, intend within our hearts as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, 
we read, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we can purpose or intend with our heart. It's where our motives and our decisions take place, where we choose one thing over another. And so the heart applies to our intellect, our emotions, and our will. How do we guard that? How do we guard our thoughts? How do we guard our feelings? How do we guard our intentions and motives? Well, if you think about this illustration of a watchman on the city wall, what was a watchman to do? What was his job? As he stood there on the city wall, if he saw the Assyrian army approaching, what did he do? Did he say, you know, Joseph better put some more patties on the grill. We got the Assyrians coming. Well, no, obviously what he was going to do is he was going to board up the gates. He was going to close the gate, get the forces prepared to defend the wall of that city. And in the same way, as we guard or watch over our heart, we are protecting it against those things that would come in and cause it to be something different than what God would intend for it to be. And the gates of our hearts are ultimately our eyes and our ears. How do thoughts, how do feelings get inside of us? Well, for the most part, they're coming in through the, the information, the ideas that, that are entering through our eyes and through our ears. And we can't always control what approaches the gates of our heart. We can't always control what knocks on the door of our heart, but we can certainly control what we welcome in and what we allow to dwell there. And so we need to give thought to what it is that we are allowing within our heart. And this passage that Luke read for us in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8, I think gives us a good instruction on how we are to discern between what should be welcomed into our heart and what should not. Notice starting in verse 6, he talks about one area of, of something that might threaten our hearts that we need to take guard against. He says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there at the very beginning, he's saying anxiety, worry might be something that is approaching our hearts. And when we see that coming, we need to respond in such a way to welcome something else in. To welcome in a Godward attitude of prayer, of entrusting our lives unto him instead. And then he goes on to talk about our hearts and guarding our hearts. In verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think or dwell upon these things. Brethren, this, this is a list of the type of things that need to characterize the city of our hearts. These are the citizens that we need to welcome in. You, you might think of it uh, like a, a bouncer who has a list of guests that are invited inside, and those who aren't on the list don't get invited inside. Brethren, this is our guest list. And if it, if it doesn't show up on this list, it can't come in. We need to stand guard over our hearts. And this is not a, an easy 
test, this is something that is going to take our great attention. We're going to have to give thought to whether or not the things that we are exposing ourselves to meet this criteria. Does this describe the TV shows or the YouTube videos that I watch? Does this describe the social media posts that I follow or the music that I listen to or the companionships that I uh, pursue? Again, we can't always control what we see or hear in the world around us. But you know, when, when you're sitting uh, in your room on your mobile device or when you turn on the TV or when you're sitting at the computer screen, you have a great deal of control over what it is you're welcoming into the gates of your heart. I don't know if you guys know this, but there is an off switch on most of those things. <laughs> we can change the channel. We can choose not to welcome those things into our heart. And yet many times when we expose ourselves to those things is when we're just wanting to turn off our brains. When we're just wanting to relax, we're not wanting to think about that. And yet God tells us we need to take heed. We need to actively be filtering everything we expose ourselves to through this criteria. Is it true? Is it lovely? Is it pure? And it can, Satan can attack us in a whole host of different ways. Maybe it's gossip that is what is, is threatening to enter the doors of my heart. Maybe it is some lustful thought or image. Uh, maybe it is thoughts that are uh, simply fearing the things that the world fears or prioritizing the things that the world prioritizes. The thing is, Satan often doesn't blatantly come before us with uh, something that looks like the Assyrian army. Many times he tries to infiltrate in much more subtle ways. You may remember in Psalm 1, Psalm 1 in verse 1, as in Psalm 1 we see this picture of a man who is a tree planted by the waters. Um, before we get to this picture of spiritual fruitfulness, the very first thing that it tells us in Psalm 1 and verse 1 is how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you see the progression there? Before we sit in the seat of scoffers, we, we first stand in the path of sinners. But before we even stand in the path of sinners, notice how it starts. It says we walk in the counsel of the wicked. We start thinking the way that the wicked think. The things that they prioritize start becoming the things that we prioritize. And so very often, simply by idolizing what the world idolizes, by prioritizing what the world prioritizes, we begin to welcome in thoughts that turn up Side down the priorities that God intends for us to have. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We can't allow the thoughts of this world to mold our thinking, to mold the way that we view the world. We need to learn to see the world through God's eyes. And those are the thoughts and the influences that we need to be welcoming in. But how much effort is that going to require on our part? If I'm that watchman standing on the wall, is it okay if I just kind of take a nap for an hour and come back later and see if anything's happened? Well, certainly not. 
we see we are to watch over our hearts with all diligence. The NIV says, above all else, guard your hearts. I want you to think about that idea of guarding your hearts for a second. Up on the screen, I have a picture of David DeCastro, the right guard of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's 6'5", 315 pounds. And as a guard, his job is to make sure that nobody gets in and tackles the quarterback before he's able to throw the ball, right? How much effort is required to fulfill that position of guard? Well, today, uh, even right now, David Castro is playing. I want you to imagine today that as the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are facing off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, that David DeCastro gets up and he, he gets ready at the, at the line and they say, hike, and he kind of takes his hands off his knees and he says, stop it. Don't do that. W would that be okay? You know, you, you'd be yelling at the TV screen. You need to put in a little bit more effort here. And yet, brethren, is that the way that we handle guarding our hearts? David DeCastro is guarding a silly little brown football. Brother, we're guarding our eternal souls. And he is spending time day in, day out, training himself for this job. What about us? What kind of effort are we putting forward into guarding our hearts? Because we're not guarding against a 200-pound linebacker. We're guarding against a 500-pound lion. First Peter chapter 5 and in verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Brethren, Satan doesn't take time off. Satan doesn't work a 9-to-5 job. Satan is constantly seeking to devour us. And so when it comes to protecting our eternal souls, we need to get serious. We need to start training ourselves and preparing ourselves for the spiritual battle that we face. And when it comes to the things that I'm welcoming into my eyes and to my ears from day to day, we need to part, start putting forth some great diligence, exerting ourselves with everything we have. Imagine for a moment that you were out on the field facing that 500-pound lion and that one of your children was behind you? What kind of effort would you be putting forward to protect? Brethren, we're protecting our eternal souls and the eternal souls of our family. And if David DeCastro is putting in more effort than we are, then our priorities are not what they need to be. Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, we, we see really this is a battle that we cannot win on our own. Uh, if you are out there on the field with a 500-pound lion, I'm pretty sure I know who's going to win. But by God's grace, we're not fighting this battle alone. He's given us the strength that we need to face it. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present distress, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Do you notice that last phrase there? It says, having done all. Having done everything to stand firm. God's given us everything that we need. He's given us the strength that we need to overcome sin within our lives. And yet, we can't do that in a half-hearted fashion. I think many times we, we want to convince ourselves that we, yes, we do want to fight against sin. Yes, we don't want to give in to those things. And yet, when it comes down to it, we, we kind of want to go halfway and that be enough. That's not God's prescription. God's prescription is having done everything to stand firm. Many times we get discouraged because we think we put in a good bit of effort and we're, we're still failing in that. Have we done everything to stand firm? Are we all in? That's what God says we need to be. And he says there, uh, back in verse 13, uh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is he talking about there? What's the evil day? Well, if you look back in chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Notice, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. What's the evil day? Today and tomorrow and the next day. Every day that Satan is seeking to attack us, and that happens to be every day out of the week. We need to be prepared for the spiritual battles that we face. Jesus' prescription in Matthew 5, he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, what does he mean by that? Obviously, if, if one hand is causing me to sin, I can always sin with the other hand. If one eye is causing me to sin, I can always sin with the other eye. What's the point that he's making? Think about it this way. My hand is a very good thing. I can accomplish a lot of good things with my hand. But Jesus says, if it's causing you to sin, it needs to go. Whatever sacrifice I need to make, whatever radical surgery needs to happen within my life, it doesn't matter if I think, well, you know, that cable subscription that I have, it's, it's a lot of good things. There's a lot of entertaining things on there. It doesn't matter. Your eternal soul is at stake. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we need to be willing to guard our hearts, our eternal souls, that we might be who God wants us to be. That the city of our hearts might be characterized by those things that are true and pure and holy and praiseworthy in God's sight. But I might think, well, it's just inside my heart. It's not hurting anybody. Uh, I may be seeing it and hearing it, but at least I'm not engaging in those sinful activities. Well, God tells us, from it flow the springs of life. NIV says, everything you do flows from it. 
In our day of indoor plumbing, we may not be as familiar with the idea of a spring or a natural fountain of water. The Jews would have been very familiar with this. The, the Pool of Siloam was actually part of the Gihon Spring flowing and bubbling up in the city of Jerusalem. But something that we might be a little bit more familiar with ourselves is the idea of a faucet, right? The, the faucet is where the water comes into our house. It, it is the, the source, the fountainhead. Um, and if you want hot water in your house, what do you do? You turn the knob for hot water, right? <laughs> now, back in the old days, you weren't able to do that. Back in the old days, you had to, to go out to the well, and if you wanted hot water, you had to bring it in and put it on the stove and heat it up. Aaron and I have a hot water tank in our house. What, what if I decided that instead of turning the hot water switch, I was just going to turn it on cold and I would go to my sink and I'd keep heating it up. Would that be a very good idea? Well, no, of course not. I, I have the power to turn the faucet to hot. That's what I need to do. That's where the source is. Many times spiritually, when we're not taking proper heed to our heart, to the source of life, we're like that person constantly running and we, we got wa cold water coming out of the faucet, but we keep trying to go and heat it up. God says, you need to go back to the source. You need to go back to the spring. The heart is where your life, your words, your actions are flowing forth from. Brothers, we want to be who God wants us to be. It has to start with the heart. We need to make sure that, that our, we have our hand on the correct knob on the faucet here. Our lives cannot be pleasing to God if our heart is not first in the right place. Um, because at the end of the day, God doesn't just care about the end product. In fact, the product in his mind is not just our actions. It is our hearts. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, as Samuel is seeking out a new heir to the throne, one to anoint as king of Israel, he comes to the household of Jesse, and he's looking at the brothers of David. And in verse 7, as Samuel approaches Eliab, God tells him, Do not look at his outward appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. What, what is the first and greatest command? Matthew 22, verses 30, verse 37 and following. The first and greatest command is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Brethren, if we don't get that right, it doesn't matter what else we get right. That's where it starts. That's the foundation. That's what God is looking down upon. Now, if our hearts are in the right place, yes, the rest of our lives are going to flow forth from that. But we can't convince ourselves that just because I've been doing pretty good running to the stove and back and getting it heated up, that I'm being who God wants me to be. My heart must be what God wants it to be. Look in Matthew chapter 23 with me. Matthew 23, starting in verse 23. 
Jesus speaking to the the scribes and Pharisees, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Brethren, if we aren't standing guard over our hearts, and we're simply trying day by day to make sure that our actions are staying in check, that our words are staying in check, and we haven't first taken heed to what it is that is dwelling inside of us, then we're being just like the Pharisees. You think about these illustrations that Jesus gives here. They're, they're straining out the gnat and swallowing a camel. Imagine you have this, this big pot of stew, and you're busy trying to get every single gnat out, and you don't even notice that there's a huge camel standing right in the middle of it. And all these flies are flying around this camel. You go to, to eat it, and you get a big camel hoof in your mouth. Uh, you know, how ridiculous is that? And yet, is that what we're trying to do? That we're not first making our hearts what God intends for them to be. And we're simply trying to play catch up by by getting all of the the gnats out. Here we see that they're cleaning the outside of the cup and the dish, and yet inside they're drinking in all sorts of filthiness. Imagine if I were going to give you a gift. And if I got the perfect box... And I paid, I paid for the, the nicest, thickest wrapping paper that you can imagine. And I measured every single little crease. And I even measured out every piece of tape was exactly two inches. And I, I, I taped it all together and I had a beautiful bow on top of it. And I give it to you and you open it up and there is a dead skunk inside. Would you be very pleased with that gift? I spent a lot of time on it. I spent a whole lot of time making sure that I had packaged this gift perfectly for you. And yet, it's just like these Pharisees with the dead men's bones, the rotting, putrid filth inside. Brother, if we aren't standing guard over our hearts, are we allowing Satan to to pour garbage into the back door of our hearts? If so, it doesn't matter what we're doing to try to clean up the outside. God is looking at the inside. And so, brethren, we need, with all diligence, having done everything, to stand as watchmen over the city of our hearts. He says here, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside may become clean also. This is where it has to start. If we don't get this right, we cannot be who God wants us to be. What about you today? Are you watching over your heart with all 
diligence. If your heart was a city, what would it look like inside? Would you be filled with things that are pure and lovely and noble and right? Or would you need to hire a new sanitation worker to come in and start cleaning things up? Brethren, let's get serious about what we're filling our hearts with. Whether it be struggling with anxiety and worry, whether it be struggling with with gossip or or slander, whether it be struggling with uh, impurity, whatever it may be, let's make sure that we're filling our minds with things that are glorifying and pleasing in God's sight, that are consistent with the way that he sees the world, that the rest of our lives might flow out from that type of heart. If you recognize that some change needs to be made today, um, if there's any way that we can help you in making a change, that's why we're here. Uh, And by God's grace, no matter how filthy the inside of your heart is, it can be cleansed. If you're willing to surrender your life to the Lord, you're willing to bury your old man of sin in baptism, we can leave that, that putrid death in the grave And yet, as Christ was raised from the dead, you can be raised to walk in newness of life. If you have made that commitment, but you're not living up to it, you've gone back and you've dug that old man of sin out of the grave, won't you allow Christ to put him back where he belongs? If there's anything that we can do to help you in that, if you need to to confess or ask for the prayers of these brethren in any way, won't you let us know at this time as we stand and sing together?